Good morning, everybody. God bless you. Great to have lots of people in the building again, isn't it? Amen. It's fantastic. You can't beat it. Can somebody turn all the lights on, please? Just knock all the lights on. On, on, not off. <laughs> so, Bernard, you put all lights on. Thank you. Welcome again. Today, at the, at the end of today's service, we have a very special couple with us today who need no introduction, and that is Brandon and Sandra. Give them a big hello. And at the end of today, Brandon is going to make a 40-minute speech. Hallelujah. That's what I said to him when he came in. I scared the life out of him. They're going to come, and we're just going to pray for them as they move on. I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that later. Hey, what a crazy world we're in. Amen? Have you seen the floods? You see what's happening? Isn't that shocking? North America, South America, Europe, like the earth. What did Paul say? It would, it would be impossible for Christ to return like a woman having a baby and the waters break. Right? Paul said, Christ will not return without birth pains, birth pangs. You know, when I see those floods around the world, it just, it just makes me think, is Christ near or what? Hello? Hello? Is it only me? Is Christ near or what? As we see the Matthew 24 prophecies being fulfilled as you live, day after day after day, you would need to be like a Pharisee. You would need to be deaf, dumb, and blind. Not to pay attention, take notice, and really live like you've never lived before. Amen. Amen. Live like you've never lived before. Again, the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians warned about the end times church. And that's where he gave us the armor of God. The armor of God, of course, it's for all generations and everybody of all ages. Not a problem. But the armor of God specifically, in my opinion, was for the end times church. Because such would be the fight predicted in scripture. Such would be the battle from a devil who comes to kill, rob and destroy. Such would be the fight that the apostle Paul talks to you and he says, be careful now to put on what? The full armor of your God. Not your armor, not Saul's armor. And whose armor? You be careful in times, believer, that you put on the full armor of your God because you're going to need it. If you go out there without the armor of God, you're going to get taken down in this battle. You can't say you haven't been warned. So we started, I, I didn't mean, we just wandered into this series, didn't we? Through a casual comment that just went off in my head. When my wife said to me, blind bruja, it's just, wow, and I'm still stuck with that thought of a Christian being used by Satan. That's shocking, shocking, shocking. Not just any old Christian, but one of the best who's ever walked the planet, the very Apostle Peter. Oh, blinded to it. Blinded to it, not aware of it. Blind Bruja was the first message. Then we looked at those rules in this war, friend. 
There's rules. Don't break the rules. That's a war crime. We looked at rotten apples. One week It's not rocket science. And I want to continue this same thought, and you'll understand why in a moment. And I've entitled this message, The Danger of Personal Kingdoms, something I've had to guard all my life against. It's the easiest thing in the world to wander into your own little kingdom, whether that be in your home, with your family, that you run it your way, whether that be in your career or in your business, that it becomes your kingdom, whether that be in relationships. You have your own little world in your relationships and God can't enter. Personal kingdoms are everywhere. And they're incredibly dangerous because your life, 100%, needs to be in the kingdom of who? In the kingdom of God. Wonderful teacher called Dr. Miles Monroe. Sadly, he died in an accident, but absolutely excellent teacher, particularly on the subject of the kingdom of God. He's written a couple of books on it. And I, I've got a quote from Dr. Miles Monroe. He said this, 90% of all the national and international problems facing our world today are the result either of politics, government, or religion. This includes global hunger, health epidemics, wars, terrorism, racial and ethnic conflicts, segregation, nuclear tension, and economic uncertainty. Let me follow that excellent statement with a question. Why then? Why are religion and politics and governments the answer? Because governments are building their own little kingdoms. Every country wanting independence. Why? Because religions are doing the same thing. Demigods, false gods. That's why. And by the way, this has a history. This problem has a history, which is where the demonology comes in blind bruja, rules of engagement, rotten apples, and now the personal kingdom, because the origin of this problem was not with Adam and Eve, and it's not with you or me. The origin of this problem of having my own kingdom began with Lucifer. Are you listening, worship team? <laughs> Are you listening, worship team? Lucifer, the most beautiful thing that God had created. Music was in his body bringing praise to God. But something inside that beautiful angel. <clears throat> want, I want my own kingdom. And the praise that I see going to God. I want that praise for myself. Now shocking enough as that is. There's something more shocking. You would, I would honestly have thought. This is just me talking from my heart. I would have honestly thought that Lucifer would have rebelled. I would have thought that the whole of heaven would have looked and said, that's disgraceful, get out. But that's not what happened. One third, now there's a shock. One third of the host of angels that stood before God Almighty, joined him, agreed with him and went with him. Now that to me is a shock, that's a shock. But that's the origin of an independent kingdom. Began with Lucifer, whose name was changed to Satan. And he was cast down upon this earth that we stand on. And from that moment that that angel, that fallen angel came here, 
He's searching to put what in you? Independence. Searching to put a desire for a kingdom within the heart of man. So he goes slithering through the garden. Here's Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve are under whose governance? The governance of God. The kingdom of God. And this snake infects them with that desire for a kingdom of their own. And that has come down. Adam and, Adam and Eve were your great, 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 as long as you want, grandfather and grandmother. Okay? We are all in the human race, whether you like it or not. So you've got the DNA. You can't get out of it. That's why we need to be born again. Out of the one family line of Adam and into the family line of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So it went from Lucifer to Satan, from Satan to Adam and Eve, infected the human race. And now today we have a multiplicity of kingdoms and governmental systems. You've got democracies, dictatorships, monarchies, totalitarian states. You've got the Taliban. <laughs> Very topical. You've got republics. You've got anarchies. You've got all types of kingdoms of men established on this earth. And none of them want to be subject to God. Nobody. They do not want... Do you know what? It's like a, a horse. I want to kick off. The democracy doesn't want the kingdom of God. I don't want God to tell me what to do. We will make our own rules. The monarchy, throw away God. We'll have a king. We'll come to that in a moment. And all of these political systems reject God because they want independence what do they want they want a kingdom they want the very same thing that Lucifer desired and that Satan infected the human race with this is the United Kingdom and if you have a passport you are a subject of who <laughs> Queen Elizabeth you're actually a subject yeah do you know what that means it means you are under it means you're, you're in subjection within this kingdom but as a Christian I have a higher king can we say amen, amen. as a Christian I have a higher king and I should be subject under subjection to him that's where I should be but democracies don't want that. They want to kick that off, right? We don't want a theocracy. We want a democracy, etc., etc. So you will see this right through history, and it's a very sad thing. In Isaiah, we started talking about politics. Not something I've taught on much, but something I care about. It's an interesting topic, you know. It affects your life. It affects everything every day. And how does Jesus relate? And Isaiah tells us. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government. The government. The politics. The government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. Of the greatness and the increase of his government. There will be no end. <coughs> and he will be a king on David's throne. Hallelujah. So where should I be getting my politics from? From my king, from my governor, from my Lord Jesus Christ. But man has sought independence and still seeks independence today. Jesus had the same problem, by the way. The apostles wanted to establish their own kingdom. 
Some mothers want a kingdom for their son, for their child. That's what happened in Matthew's Gospel. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus and kneeling at his feet, Jesus said, what do you want? And she said, grant that these two sons of mine would sit on the right and the left when you come into your kingdom. And he went on to give a little discourse to that lady. And then the disciples weren't happy because Jesus said, no, you can't do that. That's not my place to do. The disciples were angry, but Jesus called them to himself and he said, listen, everybody. He said, do you see all the kingdoms of the world, the democracies, the totalitarian systems, all, you see all these? These kings lorded over their people, but that's not what we are to be like. He said, it is not to be so with you. It shall not be so among you. And some of you may say to me today, excuse me, I'm a king. I'm a king. That's what I am. I, I, I know. <laughs> yes, you are a king, but not like them. Not like them. Jesus is a servant king, a humble king, an obedient king to his father. Amen. You are a king. But Jesus corrected that misunderstanding lest we try and become a king like others or like this world. That's the political side, then the religious side. Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism, Taoism, and a thousand more. And each of these are offering you another type of God. Another type, of, and someone else or something else to be worshipped. It's another kingdom. It's another kingdom. And you must reject that in Jesus' name. I love Tanaya's message last week. That was good, wasn't it? You know, very often you take away like a line. You take away something. And I texted her on the Monday. I said, what was that line? Exact, I want the exact words of your challenge because it's, it's buzzing in my head and it's the basis of today's message. She said this. 100% attention in Jesus' name. Focus, focus, focus. To miss your kingdom assignment because you have been too caught up in pursuing your personal kingdom is the greatest tragedy you could ever face. Wonderful. To miss your kingdom assignment because you've been too caught up pursuing your personal kingdom is the greatest tragedy you could ever face. Many people definitely take possession of their giftings and their lives in a way that they never should in a way that's not healthy. Um, forgive me for not being perfect as your pastor. I am far from perfect. Not as bad as Timothy, but I'm, I'm not great. <laughs> far from perfect. And I have made probably more mistakes than all of you put together. But one mistake I have not made is creating a personal kingdom. And trust me, I had offers. <laughs> when we were doing the TV stuff in the beginning, I had all sorts of offers for this and that. You can do this. Look what he's doing. Look what they're doing. I don't want to look at these different systems, to be honest. I, let's just keep this simple. Let's just keep it in the kingdom of God. Why hijack something? A gift doesn't belong to me. A gift belongs to the church. 
I'm not going to take the thing that God gave me. Freely he gave it to me and freely I'll give it away. Well, you want to talk about profit with something like that. Can I have that box, please, mate? Tim, sorry, you're, you're my forever faithful example. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> so when I got saved, I got a gifting. Let's say this is your gifting, okay? It was my birthday not long ago. And on my birthday, she normally buys me about 10 presents. Hallelujah, pretty good, huh? <laughs> it only comes once a year, so you might make the best of it. But she doesn't give me the best present first. You don't kind of do that, do you? Because then it's just downhill all the way. She gives me the least present first. Yeah. Because she's going somewhere. You know what the Bible says? When you got saved, Christ gave you your gift. Not your calling. He gave you a gift. As soon as you got saved. Here you go, Tim. There's your gift. But I'm going somewhere. Because I love my son. So I've got surprises that he has never dreamed of. It's your calling. So Tim gets his gift and I want you to pretend that you're really possessive. He's not. This is just a performance. Pretend you're really possessive and you won't let it go. But you haven't seen what I've got, see? You haven't seen what I've got. I say, hello my son, put your gifting down a moment. Go on, trust me. Stop doing that thing. Why have you upset? Like a baby with a rattle. <laughs> Just put it down a moment. No. Look at that. This, I travel all over the world. These are the people I meet. So limited. So stuck. They only received the first thing and couldn't even cope with that. Let me read this to you. Listen carefully. Paul and his companions have now Paul, Timothy is now Paul, just okay, Paul. And he's received his gift of preaching to the whole world and to you. Listen to this. Paul and his companions travel throughout the region of Pergate and Galatia, having been stopped. Now give me your gift. This is this is Paul. The Holy Spirit said to Paul, Give me your gift. Imagine telling Paul not to preach. What? <laughs> What? What? Joe, you're a worship leader. Would God ever tell you not to lead worship? Because he told you to lead worship. And this is where people get confused. The same God who tells you to lead worship has the power to tell you not to. Is that okay? It needs to be okay. It needs to be okay. But people struggle with this and they never progress. Look at the Apostle Paul. Paul and his companions traveled to blah, 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 because they were prevented from exercising their gifting in Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia and Bithynia, the Holy Spirit came, listen, and said to Paul, here's your actual calling. Go and preach the gospel all over Europe. Not just a little gift, Paul. I've got a plan for you. All over Europe. The United Kingdom. You're going to go west, all over North America, South America. And through you, this gospel is going to travel right around China and into Korea and back to Israel in the last days. And Paul would have missed all that because of the rattle baby, baby rattle situation. I can't put my gifting down. That is not your identity. Don't get your self-worth from your gift. Yeah. Don't get your... Thank you, Tim. Very good. 
don't get your self-worth, thanks mate. Don't get your self-worth from your gift. But realize that God has a massive future for you if you can only <coughs> relax in the kingdom and trust him and walk into the future, whatever he may have for you. So I want to continue with tonight's challenge. <coughs> Am I pursuing a personal kingdom? It's a great question. How about your family? I visit many homes and it's a no-go area for me as a pastor, you know. <laughs> pastor, I don't mind coming to church on Sunday, but don't try and come in my house and tell me about this kingdom thing because we got our own system. <laughs> our relationships. When I met my wife here, the first thing I did, you see, I can form a little kingdom with her. Many people do that. It's corruption. Because I'm frightened, I've got no faith. Maybe her father won't agree. I was the only guy her father gave permission for to talk to her, you know that? One person. And she was 37 years old. That's how rigid and strict that man was. He's a very happy person. But the only time he would get angry is if anyone spoke to her. Then he would go, get out of my house. He was, he was vicious on one thing. You stay away from her. Amazing. But I can form my own little kingdom. Many people do that in relationships. I can say, Marys, talk to me. Marys, they don't love you. Sounds like the Garden of Eden. You know, listen to me. Follow me. Don't listen to them. But I didn't do that. I wrote to her father a letter before we had ever met. I wrote a letter to the church. And in both letters, I submitted myself in what? In the kingdom of God. And I, you know, spoke long letters to both her church and her family. I will come to Columbia and I will come through the front door of your house. And I'm going to come to the church and I will walk in the front door of the church. Not the back door. Not sneaky. <laughs> Amen? And we will form a kingdom relationship. So... <laughs> Am I pursuing a personal kingdom in my relationships? Am I pursuing it in my ministry, in my career? You analyze your own life. By the way, how would you even know? How would you even know? And that's what I want to look at momentarily here. How would you know if you're pursuing it? It is my belief, and I believe the belief of Ray Belfield, who was the leader of Assemblies of God for 21 years in the United Kingdom. <coughs> Ray Belfield believed most people have not found their calling. I agree. I think they're stuck with gifts. Stuck with being possessive about gifts. So a few indicators from scriptures then about how to analyze whether you are pursuing your own personal kingdom. Number one, Saul. I think Saul is a fantastic example. Because, do you know what I see in him? Comparing yourself to someone else. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and they came to Samuel at Ramah and they said to him, you are old and your sons don't live as you do. Appoint a king to lead us. Who was their king? God. Whose kingdom were they in? The kingdom of God. But they didn't want to be. Appoint a king to lead us. We want a king just like the other nations. We have seen the glory of the monarchy. We've seen Buckingham Palace. We've seen what other nations do and have. And this invisible God... <laughs> We want something of pomp and circumstance and grandeur. 
Give us a king like the nations have. Samuel was not pleased. And by the way, guys, do you know what God said? This is a really important point. God said, you're asking me for this? Do you know what? You need to be careful what you ask for. <laughs> because I'll give it to you. You want a king? Do you know what he gave them? Was it 39 kings? And do you know what those kings did? They destroyed their children and their children's children and their children's children's children. God forgive parents. God forgive older people who would rather build a personal kingdom than secure the future of your children in the kingdom of God. Did you hear me? I preached two national conferences on this point in this country for the Indian community. Hundreds and hundreds of Indian leaders and pastors who were doing this. I have a great relationship with those leaders, with the superintendents and the, that whole family because I worked with them in Glasgow for so long. They trust me, they respect me, but they did not obey me. They did not obey me. And I warned them. You continue to build your own little churches here in your own little world and I'm predicting that the, the, those who will suffer will your children and your children's children and your children's children's children and if you want examples I can give you plenty the biggest one in the Indian community is in North America where we lost a whole generation because of little kingdoms little kingdoms do you love your kids whose kingdom do you want them in Do you love your kids? How much do you love your kids? Are, is, is your image more important than the security and the life of your kids? Answer the question. Is it? Do you think more of yourself? Do you, do you want, 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 want? Because that's what I've encountered left, right and centre. Better to be a doorman in the kingdom of God. Saul would have rather been the king of a dung heap than a servant in the house of God. Do you know that? Saul would have rather been the king of a dung heap than a servant in the house of God. The second example, Judas. Judas was a racist, a genuine racist. I don't know if you realize that, but the zealot party, which I studied in college, the zealots, the, the only race that, cared, that they cared about was the Jewish race. They were not just pro-Jewish, they were obsessed with the Jews. The Jews had been an empire. Great empire, famous history. And with the Zealots, it was a case of the empire strikes back. <laughs> they wanted that power back, they wanted that image back. Not for equality with the other nations, but with, for superiority, absolutely superiority. And Judas is a classic example of someone who wanted his own kingdom even willing Jesus help us even willing to betray Jesus Christ to get it that's, that's just it's shocking absolutely shocking it's not like he didn't know him right he's been with him for three years Judas had worked miracles just like everyone else it's not like it's a shock no wonder he got cut off You've got Noah and Nimrod. Noah, bless him, he built an ark. But Nimrod built the Tower of Babel. Noah, Noah glorified God, built to glorify God. But Nimrod wanted to glorify himself. We will build a tower so high we will be as God. 
personal kingdom. I was in a pastor's meeting years ago. I've shared this before, but it's a really significant moment for me. <coughs> I was a relatively young pastor. It must have been about 25 years ago. And there was a whole room, 30, 40 pastors. <coughs> and they said, choose someone to pray for, you see? And I just, bang, so fast, the Spirit of God came on me. Him. I didn't know who he was, didn't have a clue. And I went over to this guy. I remember, I got down on one knee, one knee beside him. I said, who are you? What was it? And we immediately kind of clicked. We kind of liked each other straight off the bat. I could see he trusted me, but he didn't really trust anybody else. I could great reservation in him. And he just automatically started to pour out his heart. That day I was functioning as a prophet, for sure. 100% sure. He started to tell me his doctrine about prosperity. And he had this dream of starting a church in Dublin. And as I listened, I got more and more concerned. And I just, I remember towards the end of the meeting, we'd made a very fast bond with each other. But on one knee, I just took the guy's hand. I got down on one knee and I said, sir, can I make an appeal to you? Do not go down this road. Don't go down this road. Please, listen to me. I mean, I could feel the conviction in him. I could feel him thinking, this is not a bad guy. Maybe, maybe I need to think. But the temptation of his own kingdom. He was wrestling inside himself. At that point, he was no one, wasn't even a recognized pastor. Fifteen years later, he's the number one news story in Ireland for embezzlement of 15 million, no, 13 million. And that news story ran for about five years. And I could see his face on the paper day after day. And I always think back to that moment. You had a warning about not establishing your personal kingdom. But you couldn't wrestle with it, could you? You, you gave into it and you pursued it. And now everybody knows your name. They were supposed to know whose name? <laughs> Now, this entire country knows your name. That's a mistake. You made a big mistake. I feel sorry for him. I've seen some TV, TV interviews with him. And I have to say, I don't see the conviction. I used to see the conviction. But that heart has, I think, I hope not, has got harder and harder and harder. God is very patient. Don't pursue your personal kingdom. Be a subject, be subject, be submissive in the kingdom of God. The third example, David and Absalom. <clears throat> David was a man after God's own heart. Leading the kingdom and building in the kingdom as God would guide him, constantly seeking God. Absalom's the opposite. Absalom wants what? Democracy. Absalom is standing at the city gates trying to garner favor and votes, isn't he? Right? What a sad, sad, sad thing. The church is not a democracy. Look, if we want to have pizza next Saturday morning, how many people want pizza? How many people? Not a problem. There's a place for a vote. But the governance of the church is not a place for a vote. I can guarantee you that. And that's the difference in Absalom and David. David led under God in the kingdom of God. Absalom made it a democracy. In a democracy, you get the choice. You become God. Little demigod, creating your own little choices. 
And any person like Absalom who says, let us gather together, let us build a tower. That's a dangerous person. That's what Absalom did. That's why his head got stuck in a tree. And Anethophel, right, stuck a spear and killed him. He was a forerunner of Judas. That's why he hung himself on a tree. I just love the words of David. What's the greatest title a person can have? They say President of the United States of America. They say that's the most powerful man in the world, don't they? Or maybe if, if you're talking about religion, you say the Pope. What is the most powerful title a person can have? Greater than king. Greater than Pope. The most powerful thing. The most blessed thing. The greatest thing. The greatest title. The greatest position. That any human can ever have. And don't trade it in. That's what Absalom did. You're a son. A son and an heir. A child of God. And when Absalom was hanging in the tree. Do you know the words that came out of the mouth of David? My son. My son. Absalom. My son. Do you understand what, he, what David was saying? Why would you want to be a little king? Why would you trade it in? Something so temporary. So small. Why, would you, why did you do that my son? You were already my son. Jesus. Don't sell yourself out. Like Judas. Like Saul. Like Absalom. That's a personal kingdom. And that is a massive danger. Another example. Abraham and Lot. Here we go again. Abraham remained humble, <coughs> seeking the better of others. And you know the story when they stood on the, on the paramount. Abraham seeks God. And he obeys God. But Lot, just like the prodigal son, Lot runs after what his eyes can see. To build his own little kingdom. A kingdom that actually destroyed him. that's it for today just a very short message in comparison but an incredibly important one can everybody just follow me make a fist some of you scary don't, don't look at me like that <laughs> a whole crowd of people with a fist at me <laughs> make a fist and just, just, just play along with me a moment imagine in this fist You've got control. My family. My ministry. My gifting. My calling. My career. I go to the kingdom of God on Sunday between 11 and 1.30. But then I go back into my kingdom. If you're willing. Like a weaned child. Would you open your hand and just relax a moment? Just let it go. Just let it go. God, 
I give into your trust my family. May my home become the kingdom of God, not my kingdom. May my ministry not be my God. And may I put it down and pick it up anytime. Even Jesus was willing to do that. Father, if this cup, <laughs> that's the cross, that's his destiny, right? His calling. If this cup can pass before me, even Jesus was willing to lay down his very own gifting and calling, if you like, for his relationship with his Father. The Lord gives. And the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you leave this place, if God asks you to lay something down, whatever you do, don't argue with it. It only means that God's got a big present coming your way. Oh yeah. But you're going to have to trust him with that. Father, I pray for myself and my wife that we would never establish personal kingdoms but that the principles of your government, which we have in scripture, that we would live under your theocracy, your rule and your guidance, that we would be in this world, but not off the world, in the world, but not like the world. For you told us not to do as they do. Receive us into the kingdom of God, where we become servant kings, not exalted kings. Forgive us for errors in our ways and may God's mind become our mind like David help us Lord and bless the future would you bless our children and our children's children and may what we build keep them closer than ever to God even closer than we have been because we have followed your example and biblical guidance for this kingdom that you came to bring. Amen.